And so what you find is that creativity, it turns out, is a social construct. Who we label and what we label as creative is actually a social phenomenon. We often agree that something or someone is creative. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. I am stoked. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Uh, I have a very special friend and guest right today, um, <laughs> Alan Gannett. He is the CEO of Track Maven, and he's also now a new author. So I love that he he just wrote the book Creative Curve. It's coming out. Has it has it come out already, Alan? June twelfth. June twelfth. So this is going to go live way before June twelfth. So you get to get a start. <laughs> and I was super honored that Alan sent me a uncorrected proof. That's what it's called uh, when I think you sent it to a few people to read. So I was like, man, this is my first book that somebody took the time to send it to me so I can read. So <laughs> Alan, welcome to the show. And uh, I'm really excited, man. Thanks, man. I'm super excited too. I was telling Sangram before we started, I am recovering from a sore throat. And so this is me like 30% lower energy than usual. And so Sangram, you're lucky. I, you know, I can't tell a lie when I'm this, uh, when I'm this tired. <laughs> Man, I think your 30% energy is probably 100% for most people. So I think <laughs> are going to be in good shape. So I read the book. It's phenomenal. There, I'm, I have like a whole bunch of questions, but we typically try to keep it to just 20 minutes. So I'm going to, I took this morning, I was just sitting down and just trying to keep up with like, all right, what are the three to five questions I want to ask? And, and we'll keep it at that. But first, man, Alan, I don't know if you remember, you were at the first Flip My Funnel conference. Do you remember that in Atlanta? I was. It was amazing. I was like shocked it was your first event. Yeah, man. I, I, I This morning, I was just thinking about it. Like, hey, what did I meet? You know, what did I have Alan first? And oh, you actually were one of the keynote speakers for the first conference we did in Atlanta in 2015. And obviously, you know, at that time, the whole conversation was around content. And I saw, man, you, you're a terrific speaker, very engaging. We had great reviews. And um, I think it's it's been it's been really, really good to follow your journey. So why write the book? Like, let's just get to it. Why did you write this book? Yeah, totally. And first of all, thank you for the super kind words about it. So there's there's a couple things I think I always had in the back of my head. I knew that, you know, marketing tech CEOs wrote books, right? Eloqua, Marketo, HubSpot, like they, they all did it. And so I knew that at some point I would have to do it. And so that was sort of in the back of my head. And I sort of just, it was there though, and I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I was giving this talk to marketers about how you know, a lot of marketers don't realize that creativity is something you work at. It's not something you're just born with. And as a result, they stop before they start. They are like, well, I'm, mm. I'm not born like Mozart. So, you know, I, I can never do that. I have to go hire an agency to do that. And I got really sort of like a little frustrated. I was like, no, 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 that's not actually how creativity works. Like if you look at the stories and the histories of creativity and you look even the history of like Mozart, that's not the actual story. Mozart, when he was three years old, 
had essentially a helicopter dad who told him, like, you're going to practice three hours every single day with the best music teachers in all of Europe. Otherwise, I won't love you. That's essentially what he said. (laughs) Then when he was 17, he wrote his first truly original piece of music. And like, it's not one that's super famous. And B, that's after 14 years of practicing three hours every single day. And so the story of Mozart isn't the story of some child prodigy. And so anyway, I'm getting on tangent. But the point is that I was giving this talk to marketers that was sort of like a, hey, hey, you're, you're getting this wrong, right? Like actually creativity is something that is a result of a lot of like intentional systematic hard work. And that talk really resonated and it got me really sort of jazzed of just realizing, oh, this is like, you know, this is something that actually makes people feel better about themselves. It helps them realize that they can do more, achieve more. And I sort of just got really motivated about it. And that sort of coalesced with someone mentioned like, hey, I think this would be a great book. And so that was like, okay, mm. I was like, oh, like, book like I know I should write a book and I'm interested in it and oh wait now I'm actually found a topic I'm really passionate about and then it sort of morphed from there into a book for more generally all creatives because they realize this isn't just a marketing problem but all creatives suffer from this all creatives suffer from this you know self-doubt amen to that you know I was when I was reading your book uh, there was a quote from Steve Jobs and we who you know as you wrote in the book and most people think about like he was the creative genius right he is the poster child of what a creative genius looks like you know feels like and I think he just has been at almost every company I go to or talk with uh, they almost have a quote or a picture of Steve Jobs to kind of you know get inspired to to have the creative juices flowing and you had a you you had a note from that I think it's his quote that says that when people were asking him, he wouldn't say, well, you know, well, you're a genius. And he's like, no, I, it's not. That's not how it works. What what it is, is that most people just see things. And, and he felt like creative genius are people who saw something because of some patterns or what the experience has been. Can you, could you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So a, a couple of different things there. So one, you know, talk a lot in the book about the sort of the myth or the mythology around creativity is this sort of the story of the solo creator, right? Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, you know, JK Rowling. And and here's the thing. I mean, when you look at any of these people, that's not actually the truth. I mean, Steve Jobs had Steve Wozniak, right? Apple wouldn't be what it is without Steve Wozniak having helped him get off the ground, you know, build the initial computer. You know, he went on to have literally hundreds and hundreds of different engineers who worked for him and eventually thousands of engineers. You know, Elon Musk is not there designing all these rockets by himself. JK Rowling had an agent, a publisher who helped shepherd her through the entire process. I interviewed both of them for the book, actually, which was really fun. And so, like, the stories we think of as, oh, it's these, like, singular people. Well, that's just not true. I mean, I haven't experienced this with writing my book. It's like my name's on the cover, but there was a research assistant. There were editors, copy editors. There's an agent. Like, there's external readers who give you feedback. I mean, it's very much a group activity. And so what you find is that creativity, it turns out, is a social construct. Who we label and what we label as creative is actually a social phenomenon. We often agree that something or someone is creative. And since it's a social phenomenon, what I unpack in the book quite a bit is that, well, that means there's a whole lot of pieces that go into it, right? Because you have to get timing right. You have to know the right people. You have to be in the right place. And so in the book, I sort of break down that you know, it's much, much more than just go create amazing things in a garage because that's not actually how it works. No, it, it absolutely, I remember, man, even with the, you know, we, we get credited for the whole ABM movement quite a bit through Flip My Funnel, but 
and I get labeled over and over again, Godfather, which I think, man, it's just a way, like it, it makes me feel <laughs> super old, first of all. And I always go back and say, hey, can you not call me that anymore? And you're absolutely right. It is the community it, beyond just that team that's helping you. It's it's a creative way of like everybody kind of finding something. All of a sudden, it's a spark. And now it's a movement. And then that becomes part of the whole process. So I, I really love that thought process. And you know, the other thing that got me, got me really thinking is because, and you have this in the book, most people think about technology adoption cycles. I think people are familiar with that where 2.5% of the early, you know, the are the innovators, 13.5% early adopters, then you get into early majority, late majority and laggers, which are about 16% or so. So most people remember this bell curve as a technology adoption curve. You went on to create a creative curve Talk about that. Yeah. So one of the things I found that was super interesting was when you look at all these different studies on both individual and group level preferences. So how much do people like something? Here's what's really interesting. Again and again, you see this pattern of the more people see something, the more they like it up until a point. And then the more they see, they start to get bored of it. Think about with like a, a new song you hear. The first couple times you hear it, you might be like, this is a weird new Drake song. And then you listen more and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then after like the 50th listen, you're like, I am so sick of Hotline Bling. And so you go through this sort of this curve. What's interesting is that scientists find this on an individual level. So if you like play the same song for someone over and over again at the population level, so like for trends. And so I call this the creative curve. And it's basically this idea that there's this really well-replicated relationship between familiarity and preference. And it's a basically an upside down you. It's a bell curve. And mm -hmm. what you want to do as a creative is you want to create ideas that are on the left side, ideas that are, you know, sort of about to take off, about to go from low to high very, very quickly. And one of the biggest mistakes you can make is if you create ideas that have already reached that sort of that point of cliche, I call it, where now people sort of boredom and, you know, their, their pursuit of new, you know, kicks into overdrive. That's when you've gone you know, you've created something that's already, it's old, it's, you know, it's out of date. It's not something interesting because very quickly it's going to fall out. So you think about with ABM, for example, you know, you guys obviously started doing ABM marketing a few years ago in terms of talking about and evangelizing it. You know, now for companies that are just getting started, it's much harder because there's already so many people out there. There's already so much stuff. And so the big difference yeah. between the technology adoption curve and creative curve is that hits and trends and these sort of things, they go they go into fashion, then out of fashion versus technology adoption. Technology adoption is a steady state from zero to 100% and then stays at 100% as long as the technology retains value. And so that's, that's sort of the big difference between the curves. Yep. I love that, man. And, you know, you talked about ABM and this is this was something really interesting for me. I was at a BDP exchange conference, I think the last month. And uh, what was impressive for me about the conference was they had three and a half days, about a couple of thousand marketers there. They've been doing that for 10 years and they had three different tracks. And one of the track was ABM. And it, for three and a half days, they all were talking about in that track about ABM. And I could see people walking out awesome. with, uh, with their job titles as ABM. And it actually brought tears to my eyes because it felt like, you know, we, you know, there's a movement and now people have jobs in this new category. And that led me to like really start talking to a lot of different companies about how do you market and sell like a category leader. And your point is 
exceptional. I hope people are kind of dialed into this part of the conversation. When you think about and talk about the follow on failure, I think that's what's happening with a lot of companies and a lot of marketers out there today where they look at something and say, well, that is, oh, that's going up. Well, maybe it's already peaked out and it's probably a little bit late. And you might find, as you write in the book, I love that I underlined it, asterisked it. You said you might find an year on, maybe one year or two years of success with that, but then you're going to be so behind and you're going to have this follow on failure syndrome because you just had an incredible rush of like, oh, we just caught on the hype, but you actually caught on the downturn, not the uptrend. Exactly. So, so yeah, in the book, I talk about how there's this sort of tricky place that a lot of creators get caught up in is where they create an idea that is very similar to what's already very popular right now. The problem with that is that you may, for a couple months, yeah. experience popularity, yeah. but very quickly, as people's interests change and turn, you're going to lose that. And so one of the things that the Beatles did really well and why they had such a long career, and I talk about this in the book, there's actually someone who studies musical imperiology or empirical musicology. That's what it is which is basically the math of music. Um, he's a professor and he talks about how if you map out how experimental the different Beatles songs were, they follow this U shape because basically they, they started using more and more experimental features. Yep. It's sort of like psychedelic, you know, they use instruments like the sitar and then they start, and then as it reached this sort of point of this peak, they started using it less and less. So they morphed with their audience. So, they basically changed with their audience. And then before their audience got bored of their new tactics, they stopped doing those. And so one of the things I talk in the book is that these creative geniuses are really, really, really masters of this creative curve. They're able to understand what ideas are going to be the right blend of familiar and novel to intrigue their audience without boring them or to be so new that it's scary. And so where you get you know one-hit yeah. wonders are bands that you know will – they create a great sort of style and song, and that's what they keep doing over and over again. Their audience is like, we've heard this before. We're bored. And so for marketers or creators or anything, it's like, you know, you don't want to be right now opening the fidget spinner store at the mall. Like the fidget spinner store at the mall, like we'll probably do well for a couple more months, but like in like a year, <laughs> it's going to be terrible. So what is that thing that is going to be the next fidget spinner, like a year and a half, two years from now. And I'm using that as a metaphor, obviously. That's the thing you want to latch on to, right? You don't want to create, you know, you don't want to go and compete with, you know, Terminus right now. You wanted to do that two years ago. Right now, it's like, you know, that's like, and that's why you see there's so many different people who've started like content marketing platforms. And it's like, oh, we already have lots of those. Like, don't reinvent that wheel. Right. I love that, man. I, honestly, I'm glad you brought up the the Beatles story because that is one of my favorite part of your book. The whole, this whole, you know, the math behind the Beatles. So we're not going to give too much away. People need to go buy this book to to read and go through the details. But man, I read that part so many times. It's, it's the, you know, typically when I read a book, like, there are pieces that I just underline and then that's what I go back to over and over again. And the whole math behind the Beatles and the whole, how they went from this, the sitar to all this pop music and then they kept changing changing and how the Norwegian would like why it became the first mainstream Western song to feature and all that stuff is just ridiculously awesome data for people to look at and say, oh, there is 
actually a method to the madness. And I think what you have done in this book, Alan, really well is you have just unpacked the idea of like, well, geniuses are not just born. Anybody and everybody can be a genius. And and here are ways that other people that we all look up to are genius, but here is the history behind them. So I thought I think that's that's really, really beautiful. And so before we kind of get towards the end of it, I would love for you to share the four laws of creative yeah. score. If I don't know if you it, I mean obviously there's a lot of lot of information in there, right? So I don't know you could just recap or package that. But if there was very because people need to know that there are laws that you have thought through that might help people think through better about being a creative genius. Yeah. So basically the book is chopped up into two halves. So the first half is really debunking this sort of mythology around the inspiration theory of creativity, this idea that creativity is this magical thing that you can't, you know, you can't think about critically. The second half of the book is I interviewed about 25 living famous creative geniuses. So like billionaires, Oscar winners, Tony Ward winners, mission star chefs, like a really eclectic fun mix of people. And in that half of the book, I interviewed them all about their creative process. And I found there's four things they all did to intentionally enhance their creativity, to intentionally work towards becoming a creative genius. And there's four things that all of us can do. And so in the the back half of the book, I explain the four things, I explain how you can apply it and the science behind it. So that whole section is like 120 pages. So I can't do it service in a short amount of time, but I'll give you the, the sort of the super high level. So basically the four laws, the first one's consumption. So one thing I found that was really interesting was that, you know, we think about creators as constantly creating and doing, but actually there's some of the most active consumers of information. So that's one. Second is imitation. So, you know, we talk a lot about originality when it comes to creativity, but this whole idea of great artists steal. Oh my God. It's so, I mean, it's just such a huge part of the creative story is the idea of like imitating past successful creatives and using that as a baseline to sort of to experiment off of. It was just a huge part of the story. Yeah. You know, and Alan, if I, if I could interrupt there, man, I mean, I think, the, you remember, did you see the Beyonce thing where it was all about like, you know, just she had taken some of the dance moves from, you know, 1800s or 19, something like that, or even, even in like, you know, from France or something like that. I don't know if you saw that. And she totally owned it. And she said, you know what? That's great. I love what's actually amazing out there. And I just want to make it better. And sometimes I have great oh. ideas or sometimes I'm inspired by other people's ideas. And, and she just totally owned it. So your point on imitation, I think people think about it is that you're, you're copying something and not giving credit. She actually gives credit to other people and said, as humans, we need to find what's happening, not reinvent the wheel when we don't have to, and then get better. That is what evolution is all about. Totally. And um, Kanye West, you know, not to quote Kanye West, tweeted out something literally the other day. You know, I'm trying to find it. I don't know if I can find it in time. Uh, but he literally tweeted out something the other day about how basically no ideas are new, right? And how great ideas are really sort of essentially remixes of old ideas. And I, I mean, that was such a huge part of the of the creativity story when I interviewed these people about this. There was no, you know, people weren't yes. like, you know, oh, I was just so original. Everyone sort of knew their lineage, who they were inspired by, who they sort of remixed. And and that was really fascinating to me because I think I think people sort of have this notion of like, I have to be this like, you know, creative yeah. who thinks in the white space and does all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. The really great creatives don't think in the white space. They think in the gray space. Um, yes. And so the third the third law was around community. So, you know, I call it the law of creative communities. And it's basically this idea that, nice. you know, since creativity is a social phenomenon, you need people to agree with you that you are creative and what you did is creative. You need people around you. It's not just an individual idea. And so that's a really, really important one. And I talk about the different types of people you need in your creative community. Yeah. And then the fourth one 
is iterations. So we think about, you know, creatives are like, oh, they're struck with this idea, they write it down, it's done. And the issue is like, that is so not true. So like, there's this myth that Mozart would just write music, and he would dream music and just write it. That the myth originates from a forged letter from a music journalist in the 1800s who wanted to like make Mozart sound better. <laughs> like Mozart actually like created tons and tons of rough drafts. He edited, he like, they're called sketches in classical music, but like he was a consummate <laughs> editor. And so like over and over again, what you see is that you know, creatives in order to get their idea to make sure it's at the right place on the creative curve where it's not too new and it's not too familiar, they spend a lot of energy on listening to their audience and iterating on their creative work to get that. And so just by the way, as a fun little end cap, I found the, uh, the Kanye tweet. So um, this is the Kanye list tweet. Too much emphasis is put on originality. Feel free to take ideas and update them at your will. All great artists take an update, which I think is like a really just, you know, it's a good Twitter length uh, version of the book, basically. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. You should put that. I know. I don't know if it's all done and like shipped exactly. and stuff like that because I did. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. And so we got consumption, imitation, creative communities. And what's the fourth one? Iterations. So having an iterative process versus a sort of like, a, you know, this is a solitary moment of inspiration and everything is just done. That's not how the actual process works. Every field, whether it's cooking, movies, art, whatever it is, highly, highly, highly iterative. I love that, man. I love that. All right. So I'm going to try to summarize so much, so much creative juices over here. So I'm super inspired from this. So first of all, I think this is what I took away from the book. Like really the punchline, big idea from this podcast really is anyone can be a genius. You, you don't need to look up to people and say, well, that I'm not that person. I can't do that. I think you in these examples that you shared, oh my goodness, it's very clear that there is a method to the madness and nobody's an overnight success. It's, it, they are all always in the making and you just know about them a certain day uh, that makes them look like genius, but they all have been working on their craft or somebody has been pushing them to work on their craft and they themselves are flawed and they're they are, for the most part, taking information, knowledge from all these other places, and that's what's informing them to do and come up with new things. So it's not it's not new, new necessarily as much as it is a new and improved uh, idea. So I, I love the fact of like you know anybody can be a genius. If you think you're not, think again. This is this is a really really inspiring thing. And then the other part, you know, obviously we talked about the four laws, but people really think about creative genius and think about the technology adoption and when do they need to hop, hop on and hop off. If you're in the stock market or if you're in a marketing, marketing leader or sales leader right now listening to this, you know, you recognize, we, we all have to recognize that we have to understand what the bell curve really looks like. And if we choose the wrong timing and timing is so, so, so important, right? That people don't think timing is as important. They just jump on the curve when they think is the right for the right time for them. But you have to look at the market and don't confuse between your technology curve and creative curve. There is there is this incredible insight in this book. So go check it out. And the last but not the least, if you are a Beatles fan, which I think everybody needs to be, they're not I have no idea I should unsubscribe from this podcast. But if you are a Beatles fan, you gotta read this book because there's a whole chapter on the math behind Beatles, which was so inspiring for me because I was like, wow, this is the, because they were the greatest creative geniuses of all the world, right? So when we look at that and you say, oh, there's a method to the madness, hopefully it will give 
give you and me and everybody a ray of hope that, hey, look, we all have it in us. We just have to tap into it. And there's a way that we probably can do these things. So I don't know if I did justice to uh, summarizing our conversation. (laughs) Thanks, Alan. But I would love for you to leave everybody with a challenge as a creative author of The Creative Curve. Your book is coming to come on June. Uh, Live us with the challenge and tell us people how they can find you. So I think the challenge I have for people is to change their thinking. And it's probably not in the way you may necessarily expect based on what we just talked about. I'm not saying creativity is easy. In fact, one of the pieces of the book is that it's actually really, really hard. It's just that there's a way you can do it. And so I think the issue is a lot of us actually secretly, we use the fact that creativity seems so easy for some as an excuse for us not working hard at it. And the issue is that that's just not true. No one has it easy. And so since no one has it easy, That means you have to challenge your own thinking about it and really question what's holding you back. Why won't you dive in? So that's the challenge that I would leave people with. Um, And then in terms of how to get connected, the book website is thecreativecurve.com. You can read the preface. You can watch the book trailer. You can... There's all the retailers, all that good stuff. And then my website is allen.xyz. That's A-L-L-E-N dot X-Y-Z. How was that? That's awesome, man. And I, I am a subscriber to your newsletter. I get it on Sundays. I love it. It is full of fun things. So thanks for, for doing that, man. That's pretty cool. So Alan, again, I know you're at Strap, but I think I think you came in full swing, man. Now you can go rest and let people noodle on this creative genius idea and let, let them find out if they got it, what it takes to be a creative genius. Alan, thanks so much. Thanks, man. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.